Welcome to Sports 360 Podcast. Here we talk about issues in the wide world of sports, ranging from local issues from the Nigerian scene to global issues. And uh, we like to make it an all-sports affair. Sports 360, we can go anywhere, any sport. My name is Deji Omoto Imbo. And I'm Adeyemi Adesoya. I am Akimbode Ogutui. Hello there and welcome to season two of Sports 360 Podcast. I hope you guys missed us while we were away for just a couple of weeks, three weeks, I think. And we're back for season two. This promises to be longer, much longer than the 20 episodes because it promises to be an exciting season ahead, particularly in the areas of football and, of course, the ever-naughty Nigerian <laughs> sports scene. Um, I'm here. Yemi Adesanya is here. Bode is unavoidably absent today, but Bode will be back with us next week. But this is what we do for a living, Yemi and I. We talk sports for a living, so even if it's an hour, two hours, I'm sure we can handle it. The show must go on. <laughs> the show must go on. That's what we say. All right. Um, don't let me say unfortunately, but unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> we have to start with uh, another unsavory topic from the <laughs> local scene. A couple of topics from the local scene. One we're going to talk about something that happened around the Olympics. Second, we're going to look forward to the next Olympics. Now, we're going to be very positive about it. No negativity at all. Just look forward to what can be done. All right, let's start with this. Um, there was the AFN, Athletics Federation of Nigeria, and Puma controversy around the Olympics. The background was that AFN purportedly signed a kitchen agreement with Puma. And when they were going for the Olympics... Uh, the minister uh, opted for another kissing company. It must be said, though, that um, there's a lot of disinformation misinformation put out oh, there. Definitely. definitely. Puma's contract, even if there were no problems with it, was only with the Athletics Federation of Nigeria. Critically. Puma was not um, contracted to kit the entire Nigerian Olympic team. Yes. Because we had 10 teams there, 10 sports were represented, where, where Nigeria was represented. And it's only one that Puma had a relationship with. Yeah. Basketball had their own relationship. The wrestlers had their own squash, table tennis. So, even if there was no problems, it was only the track and field stars that were meant to wear Puma kits. Because the impression was being created like they were kitting the entire Olympic team. That was not true. So, let's get that out of the way. So, even at that, the controversy stemmed from the fact that the minister insisted that the Nigerian athletes, track and field athletes, would not wear Puma uh, kits because the contract, I put it quote and unquote, because uh, it's quote and unquote actually, was not properly signed and executed. All due process, all due diligence was not followed. So le let's put the background there because again, like we said, there's a lot of misinformation here. What is the genesis of this AFN problem? The genesis was that they had a board and two members of that board, the president or the chairman, uh, Ibrahim Gusso, and one of the members who was called the technical director, Sondi Adile, signed or purportedly signed a contract with Puma. There is nothing wrong with that. The only problem was that they did not carry, I think it was a 10-man board or 12-man board, I'm not sure about that. But there were other members of the board, and particularly the general secretary, who is supposed to be the chief operating officer, was not carried along. And with that contract was signed. The other board members raised eyebrows. They were told, I've never heard this in my life, they were told, 
was a non-disclosure agreement. So, the other members were expected to go on with that contract without knowing the Anything details about the contract. and the whatever about it. And then, allegedly, allegedly, Sunday Adelaide Cornelius Company was the nominated bank account for which monies was paid at a time when there was treasury savings singles uh, singles account like Nigeria, the TSA, and money shouldn't have been paid into private accounts. And that's a recurring decimal in Nigerian sports. So, at the end of the day, the sports minister, I agree with him on this. Maybe he could have handled it differently. Maybe it could have been a bit more circumspect or more uh, you were, were more mature yeah. in the way he handled that. The sports minister goes and says, "We can Nigeria cannot follow up with the contract that we do not know the, the details of it." And I I completely agree with him. Maybe it could have been handled differently. So the bottom line was that two gentlemen, Ibrahim Guzo and Sonia Adelaide, wanted Nigeria to acquiesce to a contract that they knew nothing about. And as far as I was concerned. That was the height of selfishness. And that is a recurring decimal in our sport. People only being out there for their selfish reasons. And I we saw some of them on air during the Olympics, just talking about we had a poor marketing. They were supposed to pay our athletes who won medals, money, and all of that. What happened to the original monies that we heard was paid? <clears throat> you know, so, I mean, unfortunately, media, people tend to take sides. And you don't really get a wholesome picture. So we've tried to put it up. Yemi, similar thing happened in basketball. Somebody actually changed the constitution for him to spend a third term. Purportedly because he had just signed a huge contract. He didn't want to leave. Yeah. You know, so it's a recurring decimal. Yeah. And like we've said here, I don't want to use that word, that famous word we use here. But <laughs> the bottom line is that it's always about them. Yes, it is. And this Olympics that just went by, especially track and field, encapsulates what we've always said, that the, the administrators, a lot of times, they don't care about the athletes. I think there's a systematic problem with our sports that, um, you know, anyhowness reigns supreme. If anyhowness is a word. Um, I think we remember uh, Football Federation signing a contract with the beverage company that mm-hmm. the head of marketing didn't even know about that. <laughs> he, about he was that. in his office. He was in his office. And then he heard that they were signing a contract in the same city. Same and city. He, he didn't know about it. So, it, it all boils down to a lack of consequence. Mm. When a country where there's no consequence for wrongdoing. Now, like it or not, you know, I think first and foremost, the way Gusso's um, AFN handled the whole Puma deal was wrong. I think, how do you have let, a... Let me pause you that. It's not even, as far as I'm concerned, it's not even Gusso's AFN because it was only two, two members of his And that's what I'm going. And that's why, that's why they're not, that's where the crisis started because that's the other members, I'm, of course, protested and said, you can't do this. That's where I'm going. That How hmm. is it that two people out of a 10-man board are the ones at the forefront of signing a deal? What happened to the majority? What happened to the entire commission of the boss sitting now and saying, look, Let's look at, do we have other offers on the table? Mm-hmm. Do we have competing offers on ground? What, what benefits does this, you know, does this deal do for athletics as a whole? At the same time, you know, there's also a different school of thought that tells us, as we saw a letter that says that 
Gusos uh, board were cleared that they of no longer. That letter came from DSS. From DSS. I don't know when DSS became an investigating body. Yeah, but from what they said, <laughs> they were mandated by someone to conduct an investigation. Um, there's a lot of blame to go around. Yeah, but when a matter comes to the fore and gets to a critical point like this that involves the image of the country. I think a lot of maturity is expected from all parties involved. Mm. So, as sports minister, you are, quote-unquote, father of sports for all. Mm. You're supposed to, you know, be more welcoming, embracing all, and then look, Mm. finding solutions to problems and not taking sides or having your own agenda. I think that's that's where we can blame the sports minister. Mm. Now, to the guys in the AFN, Gusso, Tinka Director, whoever, whoever, uh, to Olabode George and the likes or whatever, the fact that they say EU comes to equity must come with clean hands. Yeah. It was important that they also come to the fore and say, look, this is the situation. This is where we are. This is why we did this. This is why we signed the board. It is only in Nigeria that you sign deals, you sign contracts, and it becomes state secrets. Yeah. And, and it happens across, 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 board, across all across sports. sports. Go to the NPFL. It's happening every day. Players Go to move. the NFF. The NFL signs a deal tomorrow. Nobody knows the figures. But you and I can sit here and just a simple search in Google. You find out how much each corporate sponsor is paying to FIFA. You find out how much each corporation is paying to the Premier League, paying to the English FA, paying to Syria. You know, just a simple Google search. But in Nigeria, you have it's to be <laughs> in the corridors of power, or be a fly on the wall when a meeting is being held for you to even have an inkling of what, is that, what are the financial terms. And we also need to look beyond the financial terms sometimes. What are the benefits? What are the benefits of these deals? Interesting. And, and you see, and also why I can't afford this problem a bit is According to the Puma deal, the athletes are supposed to get X amount of money for the medals they won. The minister somehow stumped up the prize money mm-hmm. for those that won medals just to kind of... You know, uh, let, let, let me pursue that. You know, I can understand the situation with the minister. I felt what the minister could have done with that situation was this. Call Puma. Sit them at the table. You are the minister of sport. They will call you, listen to you, or whoever their representative is in Nigeria. Even though you have the powers to call them to the table and say, gentlemen, we appreciate your love for Nigerian sports and we really appreciate your support for Nigerian sports. But this deal as it is cannot fly and these are the reasons. And I, I really want it to fly. Show them that you are interested in working with them. If it's possible to have Guzo and his cohort beside them and say, these gentlemen have signed a deal with you as the over as the uh, oversight minister for this federation, yeah. I have no idea what the details are. Yeah. I have no idea what the d- details are. The other board members have no idea what the details are. You cannot have a non-disclosure agreement. This is you cannot pay monies into private accounts. This is why the problems have this deal. Can you please go back, restructure this deal, and let every the offer be on the table? Zero. I felt if the minister had done that and they still came back and they were still trying to be smart, then, you know, he's kind of washed himself clean. Yeah. The guys of the boy and say, okay, this man has tried. So let's put this in. And then the pressure will be on Puma to say, 
Why do you two want to do underhand deals? Put the numbers on the table. Yeah. Because like you said, if you put the numbers on the table, maybe the figures in there, which you don't know, were even cheap. Yeah. Because what we heard was uh, $2.7 million in equipment. Yeah. So what's the, what's the cash value? What's the cash value? You know, and that's why, I, I, that's what I felt the minister could have done. And then, of course, I agree with you in the sense that when it came to the, to the nitty gritty of qualifying, I felt the minister tilted to one side. Yeah. That's why I felt it took an emotional decision by not wanting to go to Poland. Yeah. Because Poland was where the, the faction, faction yeah. held sway and all of that. And it all boils down to the fact that when these decisions are being made, when these egos are clashing, when these squabbles are going on, I felt, how does it affect the athletes? I felt if that was a central scene, if that was like anything that favors the athletes, what we would do, a lot of the things that happened at the Olympics. I would not would have, have happened. happened. No, 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 would not have happened. Um, if you had a, a, a federation that was working, mm. working in the real sense of working, we wouldn't have 10 athletes disqualified. Yeah. Or at least they would have been able to wash themselves clean of mm. any responsibility if those guys were going to be disqualified anyway. Um, you wouldn't have had the instance of somebody washing his kids mm. <laughs> on Instagram. You wouldn't have had that. So, all these issues culminating into the fact that people that are supposed to take certain responsibilities refuse to take that responsibility. Secondly, the consequences are supposed to come with doing, with wrongdoing. Hasn't happened. Now we hear the minister set up a a review committee of some sort. Mm-hmm. If we hear from them tomorrow, well, hopefully. Many committees have been set up in, in the, the past. past. What we need to start having is consequences. People need to start being prosecuted. People need to start going to jail. People need to start refunding whatever monies they've collected for us to have some form of sanity mm-hmm. or some semblance of sanity. Because until when that happens, these things will continue. What's to stop the guy in badminton tomorrow signing some deal? Badminton were in the Olympics. Yeah. What's from signing a deal tomorrow and him, you know, you know, under and, and, and I think some of these federation officials, they actually, they actually act like these federations below is their private companies. Oh, yes. They have this attitude of, it's my federation. I can, you, I can do whatever with it. And that's the wrong mentality. And it goes down to the, what we always say on this podcast. It's not about you. It's not. It's never about you. Without those athletes, for instance, if the badminton player, Grace Adeshoko, did not qualify of her own effort, yeah. of course, supported by the Federation, but did not qualify, did not play well to qualify for the Olympics, badminton won't have any place in the Olympics. Of course. So of course. if the athletes do not put up the times or the performances to get into the Olympics, you have no business going there. You know, so... There's a need to have more respect. And, you know, it's sad that some of these athletes that miss out at these Olympics, they are, are the track and field stars, the 10, some of them may never get this opportunity. Oh, that, that, that's the... So, that's it, the, the irony same thing happened with the basketball. Some of these futures have been derailed. Oh, yes. Permanently. Oh, and yes. we need to think about that. And it's becoming too much of a recurring theme in our sports that people are squabbling. I mean... Like we always say here, you don't have to be federation anything to, to contribute. No, you don't, you have, don't to. have to. I would think that we need to get to the point where, just like in proper elections, you have what you call, like in the US, they have what you call midterm elections. Yeah. So for instance, if the Olympics falls like in the second year of your tenure, 
Mm. And for some reason, your sport gets to the Olympics or qualifies to be in the Olympics. You should have, there should be some kind of review with respect to how you have done. Mm. Okay, you're in the second year, your sport got to the Olympics. Some passman, you get a passman. How did they perform? Uh, well, not too well. And those that didn't get to the Olympics or get to the peak of their sport, their world championship or whatever, there are a lot of federations that are just existing. Some mm-hmm. example is boxing, weightlifting, two sports that were, you know, pretty decent in at mm-hmm. Olympic level. We'll almost get, we'll, all exist. We'll, we'll so get to that. We need to get to that point the, where we need to start reviewing them differently. So Puma, of course, expectedly pulled out of the some are saying Puma might but in my own view, I don't know whether you agree, in my own view, Puma themselves are copying. Like I said, there's a lot of blame. Puma, because Puma has had an issue with Nigerian sports before, I think in 1999. I felt they didn't do enough due diligence to say, okay, in the first place, I don't know whether the non-disclosure thing is from Puma or from this Gen- gen- I'm not sure there's a non-disclosure. Well, I don't uh, exactly. Maybe I'm it's, not sure. <laughs> it's just the way how people try to do business. I just felt that Puma themselves, with the experience they've had, they should have been a bit more circumspect with this with this deal. Yes, but corruption is a two-way street. Okay. As supposedly corrupt as we are as Nigerians, so also on the other side, mm. they are equally corrupt. Yeah. The examples are there. It's the issues with the all service, all companies, you see what happens. Yeah. So across board, corruption, there's enough corruption to go to around. Go around. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So why, how can we, as we leave this up, how can we um, guard against this kind of situation? Because it happened in basketball, now it's happened in, uh, I mean, what is the thing about why don't we let... It, it goes back to transparency and accountability. Yeah. If you sign a contract, purportedly, it is only your private contract, like, if somebody gives me a deal now, is that I'm, not, I'm not at liberty to disclose to anybody how much I'm getting. Yeah, I'm not, yeah, private, I'm in private, but when you hold a public space, like chairman of a sporting federation, you cannot go and sign a deal and say it's only, you are, it's only for your own, because that deal has an impact on you, your federation, and most importantly, the athletes and their futures. Yeah. So it's not something you can hide to yourself. So, I mean, how do we get around this? Because it's happening all the time. Consequence. It's still a function of consequence. There has to be consequences for people's actions. So for instance, and you notice that all the federations that have issues is when there's money. When there's money is involved Mm -hmm. from basketballs, deal with the cable TV outreach to this one with with the Puma deal. It is when money is involved that there's a problem. So mm. that's where consequence and accountability something is happened in cricket as well in the past. Oh uh, yes. <laughs> it was found out that somebody that a lot of guys in cricket did not know that ICC was paying a ton of money for, for development. For development of Nigerian cricket and some guys were <laughs> enjoying the I don't money. know. I don't know. And it was not it was not so it was I think it was like hundred and fifty thousand dollars or something like that. I don't know. So, you know, bottom line, bottom line, if you really care about the athletes. It won't be about you. I think and that's I, what we're seeing. I also think going forward, there's an opportunity for redemption. Yeah. Since the World Athletics uh, has now come back to say Okoa, Okoa the faction I think what Okoa can do, they can stretch an olive branch to Puma and say, fine. We want to do this we thing, want but to do it has to be done properly. It has to be clear. 
Yeah. Very clear. We've, we have, we, we have issues. We can compensate you for that. Mm. And that compensation doesn't have to be in monetary, cash. Yeah. It doesn't have to be monetary. It might be discounting exactly. the figures that they want to future income for and us. And then you, you detach yourself from this madness mm. of the whole gusso or whatever. So I think there's, there's, there's light at the end of return. Yeah. If they are willing to take and it. And that, that, that's what I felt the minister could have done. I heard corporal man, but it's never too late. And indeed, uh, if Nigeria continues to do well, uh, We'll find out that there's more. There's going there to be a lot more money to come into the system. So uh, this, this topic dovetails into our next one, which we call planning for Paris. Now we're going beyond all the negativity, all the things that happen. What we're trying to do now is that <laughs> Paris is in three years' time. That's yeah. Paris 2024 Olympics, and we need to start planning now, even if it's not too late. But we need to start planning because the tendency for us is to wait until a year. A to, year? Be, to be fair to the minister, no, no, it has to be fair to the minister. Apart from the administrative issues that we have discussed, he was appointed, I think, October 2019, if I'm not mistaken. October 2019? Yeah. Okay, Java time. When was the last election? 2019. Okay, yeah, that's So he was appointed that's after the election and I think he was sworn in later yeah. that year. And the Olympics was just six or seven months away. If not for the postponement, the Olympics yeah. was so... For me, in terms of performance, there was hardly nothing, yeah. anything he could have done to change. And the medals we won at the Olympics... The two medals won at the Olympics did not happen in nine months. No. Uh, Blessing Oboro Dudu is a 10-time African champion. She's won um, the African, I mean, title in Africa 10 times in a row in her weight category. Adek Ruye has been continuous, although she didn't win. So, and then their Federation President Daniel Ligali is an Olympic Big. gold medalist yes, for sir. Canada in wrestling. So he had a plan and he worked towards the plan. Esse Brume has won, I think, Commonwealth yeah, Games. Commonwealth Games. She won medals and all that. She's also had a plan and a program that led her up to this point. What, what are we trying to say? It has to, we have to start embracing long-term planning. Yeah. For me, this Olympics has shown someone like Enoch Adegoki. He gets to the final in his first Olympics, even though he got injured. But finals means you're in the top eight in yeah. the world. That's massive. Grayson Kwacha, didn't get to the final, but in her first Olympics, she got to the semi-finals of 100 and 200. That's massive. I said the personal... Uh, Toby Amusha just missed out on a medal. Esebrume got to the final. The short putter um, got to the final as well, even though he was 12th out of 12 points, he got to the final. What am I saying? Let, let's get to these ones. Yes, we know about Bless Me Burudu has retired, but Odo Ayane Kuroi, we know, we know the potential medalists. There has to be a plan for them. Space. Maybe you call in their coaches because you have to involve their coaches. Yeah. You call in their coaches and say, okay, there is potential medal here. How do we plan ahead? How well do you need support? So that we don't wait until can you give us your plan and we know where we can come in. If we can come, we can find, like the minister tried to do adoption and we can find corporate bodies. Who, there has to be a plan. Yeah, there has to be a plan. Uh, we have about four months to the end of the year. Mm. So if we don't have anything set out by the end of this year to kick off from January next year, then we're going to be having this conversation in 2024. Why am I saying so? There are a few things the minister can do and get on with immediately. One of such is institutionalizing a fund mm. to develop the artists across board. Now we're supposed to have a National Lottery Trust Fund. Yeah, It's almost non-existent. I checked their website, checked the law that, you know, 
put it in place. And unfortunately, they're not following the law that puts them in place. Uh, something about 20% of uh, the winning should go into development of which sports is part of it. It's healthcare, there's whatever. And if you look at the website, what they put for sports, just three things. All African games, South Africa games, and something about supplying primary schools, equipment, it didn't make any sense. And I think that the outlook has to be much more broader and long-term. Mm. So this is the time for the sports to put together a policy that says when the sports betting companies are making a truckload of money on a daily basis, mm. we'll give you tax credits for committing XYZ amount of money to sports development, to a sports fund. What's happening to all this sports trust all yeah. over the country, mm. in different states? What's happening with those things? Once you put that in place, you have identified about 10 athletes that you are sure that their development and their progress is on the right track. Yeah. You need to put together proper funding for them and training programs from now till, till the next Olympics, till mm-hmm. 2024. And what does that do? If Inok knows that he has X amount of com- money coming to him for training, you build a team around him as a trainer, he has nutritionists, he has all those things around him. He knows that every year he needs to attend XYZ number of meets. That way. He doesn't burn out by the time. Yes, by running here, running. You set out a proper roadmap for him. Uh, Adele Kroe, she has one coach. Why don't you add another coach to it? Probably has more experience. Had a psychologist because for that lady, the hope of Nigeria mm. was on her. She was the surest medal hopeful for Nigeria. And this is the second time out. 2016, she had mm. you know similar issue. Now at this Olympics, maybe it's psychological. She needs a psychologist to take a look at her and walk her through you know what has happened in the last two Olympics. And that, try and use that loss yes, as a propelling force for her for the future. Yeah. Grace Okocha, same thing. And all the sports that had is showing in the limits there needs to be a plan. And that plan comes with money. Money from, we have to be very clear. We've mentioned sports, trust, we've mentioned lottery, we've mentioned putting all of the, all the sports business companies in one room and having that conversation with them. Right? We're also saying each federation design a plan for your marketability. Yeah. So, if badminton feels, okay, we had one person at the Olympics, in 2024, we want to have two. It's progress. The plan has to start from now. Table tennis, unfortunately, not nobody got to the quarterfinals this year, mm. but there's prospect there. A lot of opportunities there. That means they need to be more. So all federations have to start. So I was going to say that all federations must come up with a plan. But yes. now, also, you know, we also have to look at our areas of what are called areas of competitive advantage or core competence. Yeah. We've won 25 medals before this Olympics. 13 was in track and field. 13 in track and field, 8 was in the relays. Which tells you that we have some kind of competition right in the relays. We bungled it in this Olympics. We went, qualified only for 2 out of 5. Eventually, one could we go, have a one and the one, 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 one couldn't more or less compete. Compete? 
because the four by hundred women was just a ragtag of the one that people. competed, the and the one that competed, the strategy was all bad, <laughs> and they, they they missed out. Now, the point I'm trying to make is that the plan must include how many meets, like you said, how many meets, yeah. how many competitions, how do you pace these athletes? There's going to be world athletics the next year for the yeah. track and field athletes. The other sports, how do you get them to do this, do that? But for me, boxing and weightlifting have won us medals in the past. What happened? Boxing could not go for a meet in Senegal because <laughs> Senegal is around the corner for crying out loud because there was a lack of funds. And this could also be some officials not now saying, okay, we didn't go to Senegal, we'll go to France because we will have this penchant for wanting to travel to the Western world. Yeah. Unfortunately, the France qualifiers was cancelled because of COVID. So that was the end. Weightlifting, I honestly don't know what happened to weightlifting. Those are also, those sports, because in funding models I have in UK, for instance, funds are distributed according to past performance. Yeah. If your sports are generated a lot of medals, they get more than other sports. So, if we adopt that model, boxing and weightlifting should be, should be next to athletics. Yeah, next to athletics. Then maybe football. Then even the team sports. We have seen other basketball, yes, disappointing the Olympics, but the potential, oh, the potential is, is huge. So what are we saying? There has to be a plan. It goes down to what we... Well, unfortunately for me, I mean, I'm, I'm worried because we don't, we don't do long-term. No, we don't. We simply don't do long-term. Yeah, and without it, <laughs> it's not going to happen. Because it's possible that does not know how long he has. 2023 is across, just around the corner. In 2023, he may not be there in 2024. He might not, no, he might not even be there in 2023. As you know, you know, know no, the And that is why it's important to institutionalize things. things yes. Institutionalize policies whereby whoever comes in knows that I cannot bungle. That's why people are saying they should have, like the sports commission model which some states have adopted is yeah. the best because there, you have the plan. The plan the is already is there. there. So and you, it's likely that the chairman of that sports commission is not going to be a political appointee. He's there. So he even, has if a the, tenor. even if the minister changes, he's there to continue whatever programs uh, that are being affected. It's important to, it's just like I said, that you have to follow through the plan. The plan is there. You have to, you, you, can't, you have no choice. But like we said, the unfortunate thing is that, you know, we 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 run a country where everything is individualistic. Mm. I did this. I mm. did this. Mm. I did this. Mm. Everybody's about I. Personal, I, I, personal I, glory. Personal glory. I, ironically, there is no I in, in the word team. team. There's none. And sports is teamwork. Even if it's an individual sport, an individual there's has a team, a team around him around or her. So looking at boxing, you know, there's nothing that says we were, we were on Sports Express yesterday and we we read the news that Britain. Mm. Who finished in the top five in the Olympics have increased funding for the 2024 from 54 for, million from to 78 to million come on. pounds. Adding additional 20 million pounds to their funding because they see that look, we finished here. We yeah, need to do you, do you get the feeling that successive governments in Nigeria, federal and state, don't really understand the power of sports? No, they don't. It's seen as because these countries that invest so much is because they understand what it does. Yeah. For them, the soft power it gives them, the platform it gives their youth, the economic power it potentially has of generating. And I think until we have, 
maybe governors or maybe a president who understands that power. My fear is we just keep going round and round. Sports is the least of their worries. Yeah. It is only glamorous when their uh, human exuberance, our resilience as Nigerians sees us through and we're able to win. That is when it is interesting. We do not realize that there is a lot of work to be done that needs to be done to get to that point for you to enjoy that success. That is why till tomorrow we see it as a means of uh, recreation, uh, how do I put it? redirecting or repositioning the youth, but not knowing that it's a means of socioeconomic growth. It can solve the problem of unemployment, economic empowerment, empower the populace, not just young people now, empower the populace. The value chain is very wide. A lot of employment can come from being in sports, just by being in sports, whatever aspect of sports you're involved in. So I think we need to start having people in power that understand the potential and how much sports can change the lives of people. So we're talking from the minister to the commissioner for sports to the governors. Whereby the governor is, you're putting a budget, and, and this is what surprises me about Nigeria every time I hear this. You're putting a budget in front of a governor for sports for the year. I'm sure when the man in LRS or any of the revenue services is putting forward his budget, there's an income side. Yeah. But it seems when it comes to sports, there's only an expense side. There's no income. And I, I believe that we need to start having governors that ask questions. Question, say, yeah. ah, okay, are you not thinking of making money? Why are you only thinking and of the, spending money? Stadium is there. People are going to pay. Yeah. There are sponsorship deals that can be done. You the know? pitch panels that are in the stadium, they're not free. Right? The people will pay. People that will sell concession stands, people will eat. There's so many... You know, lives. Even, even if the income is a small even, even amount of money, even if it's ten percent, but at least what what are you generating? Yeah, so, so that when going, we know that okay, we are subventing to this amount. So it's a critical mass that we don't look at. So if if as a governor today, I have a one billion naira expense for sports or for football, mm. let's say we have a football club that's owned by the state, and I'm saying, Oga, you're getting one billion naira for the season. How about generating 10% of that in income? Yeah. We know that that 10%, it means that your, but that's the problem. It means that once you generate 10% of that expense in income, it means that once you're getting next year, it's 900 million. You're not getting one billion again. Because I'm going to then. But that's the model for us to be able, when people say government should hands off sports. Yeah, that's the only way. We all, yeah, we always that's say it. That's the only way it can be done. We say it in one breath, but we don't believe. In our hearts of hearts, no, we're not ready to do the work, and I think it's like we said, a bit of laziness on the part of our administrators to know that look, we like to say sports is big business is 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 a cliche, is a cliche, yeah. is 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 a term we like to use. Sports is business, but do we act it? Are we ready to walk the walk? I don't think so. All right, so we we we're still talking about Paris and its three years to the games. Um, do you honestly think anything will change? I'm not holding my breath. Um, it was interesting that every every interview that I watched uh, at this Olympics, that every person, even the person that won the bronze medal, each person kept talking about, I'm already prepared for 2024. Yeah. I'm already prepared for 2024. 
I'm not sure any Nigerian athletes said, I'm ready to play for 2024 because they don't know what tomorrow holds. Mm. So, I, unless this possible side decides to shock me, how do we improve the funding model? We've talked about the funding now, which is critical. And we've talked about identifying particular potential medalists, potential podium placements. Um, the ministers tried to do adopt an athlete, which worked a little bit, although it was late in the day, but now at least there's a, there's a long time. time to look forward to and all that. So what funding models do you think can work between now and Paris? For me, honestly, if we did long term, for somebody like uh, Inokadegoki, yeah. the plan to probably win a medal should be, 20, should be 2028. Because uh, it's 2021. No, you know, no, maybe 2023, 2024, you can get there. You, you never know. Mm. But, you know, know that by the time you get to 2028, he is primed and ready. Because I'm just saying that we need to do long term. I agree. The young man is probably in his early 20s. Yeah. You know athleticism. The way athleticism is, by the time you are hitting your 26, 27, <laughs> you have some 21-year-old who is knocking on your door, looking yeah. to knock you off your perch. So I do believe that if we don't have any plan for that man by mm. end of this year to kick in in general, and I'm saying, know that by December, you're supposed to say there's 10 billion naira available for so, 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 and to be disbursed. So, 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 and, it's, and the money is coming from so, so, so. You show us where it's coming okay, from. How are you spending? Then, you know, we live in a country where people tend to feel entitled. But I also feel that if a minister comes out and says, X, Y, Z, that, 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 we have this kind of funding from, <laughs> some people are still going to complain. But that's what needs to be done. Yes. That's what needs you to be done. You can't satisfy everybody. You can't satisfy everybody. That's what needs to be done. And at least let's see that. There is a targeted plan. Exactly. You know, let's know that in 2022, we are going to spend 10 billion. Uh, I'm saying this hypothetically now. In 2023, don't even think about it. <laughs> <laughs> don't even think about 10 billion. Uh, <laughs> it's just get real. <laughs> in 2023, we will spend 5 billion. Mm. In 2024, six months to the Olympics, will release another five billion. And now. when there is accountability, corporate world might be really interesting. to soften the burden yes. of government. Mm. Because the, government can't The reason why the corporate body shares is because they can't see it. Mm. You guys say you budget money for sports every year. Federations are complaining that they don't receive funding from the sports industry. A lot has to change. The bureaucracy needs to reduce. The bottlenecks, bureaucracy bottlenecks needs to reduce. The process of getting approval and disbursement has to change. Mm. Those are some of the issues as well. And that also spells from the sports ministry. Those are those things that need to change for us to make progress and for these athletes to get their due. Because some of them mm. will train, train, train. Just training. You can't just be training for the fun of it. You have to go into meets to perfect yeah. that. Check your competitive That is edge. part of the problem that we have. Okay. My fear, my worry <laughs> is that God spared our this lives. This time, God spared our, our lives. This time in 2024, <laughs> after not, the Paris Olympics, we will not be, we'll not be here talking about the same thing. <laughs> That's just my fear. I hope not. Because I get the impression, honestly, it's not rocket science. It's not. We're not reinventing the wheel. No. These models are existing all everywhere. Across the world. 
people have done it. And if you don't do things differently, you won't get you won't. And the two medals we won at these Olympics, it didn't happen by accident. Gentlemen, it was long-term planning. Esel Brume and Bless Noburo, God bless them. But they, they were rewarded for years and years and years of hard work. And that's the only way you can get to win a medal yeah. at the Olympics. It doesn't happen by accident. There's no fluke. <laughs> there's no accident. There's no, like you say, you know, there's no mago mago. There's no huru <laughs> to the answer. You either work for it and get there. And even if you work so hard, even if you plan so hard, there's no guarantee you'll still even win. Yeah. Despite all your hard work, but hard work must be put in there. Uh, there are no shortcuts and we can't continue to prepare like we've done in the past and expect things to get better. It simply will not happen. Okay, on that note, we know a lot of teams have planned and the football season in Europe has started. Over the weekend, La Liga, Bundesliga, uh, Ligue 1, Ligue 1 is actually done two weeks and Premier League um, kicked off. Those are the, from the four main leagues. We're waiting for Italy, uh, Syria to join them. We'll concentrate on these five major leagues, even though some other smaller leagues have gotten up with all due respect to them. But the biggest story of the summer so far has to be Lionel Messi moving to Paris. So we start with League 1. First question to you. Should we just package the league, wrap it up, and hand it to PSG? Or... <laughs> There's a chance for a Lille or a Lyon or whoever because the team is so stacked. But one thing about football is there are no guarantees. No guarantees. The fact that you have so much talent doesn't mean automatically they'll turn up and win. But you have to say that if they don't win the league, we're not talking about Champions League, if they don't win the league, there's going to be a lot of pressure on Pochettino. Oh, definitely. He didn't win it last season. Mm. And um, I think the only reason why... He was giving leeway because he came in, you know, halfway, halfway into the season, yeah. And um, he made it a, a bit of a decent incursion in the Champions League. Maybe that's why they're giving him time. And of course, they have also almost gone through the cycle of all, all the managers around. I think the only managers left to go to PSG are Mourinho and Zidane. Pep, Zidane. Mm. You know, probably, okay, but maybe Allegri, try Allegri into it. That's probably the only managers left to go in that direction. Um, it would be a huge, huge disappointment and a major disaster if they don't win League One. A major disaster. I can't see any other team that comes close. Lille lost their manager. Uh, Chris Ogarte is gone to Nice and of course he destroyed Lille in the first game. Uh, Lyon lost their first game, so I'm not really holding my breath for Lyon. Marseille have some purely, um, who's just joined them. It's going to be a lot of energy, all energy, all passion. I'm not sure they can also um, go the full course. So it seems PSG all the way. They have very, very strong squad. I think I think their main focus also will be the Champions League mm. as well. So once they're able to get into a good position by March, they can face the Champions League squarely. So I think it's PSG all the way. What's the France. situation? What do you make of the Mbappe situation? Ah, it's a it's a tricky one. If I were him, the opportunity of playing with Lionel Messi beats mm. any other any kind, other thing, yeah. you know. Um, so he has Messi on one side, has Neymar on the other side. He's right in between. That's stuff of dreams. Yeah, and 
on that basis, I, I see no reason why I want to go elsewhere. Or at least, you know, build some kind of dynasty with this mode of players around him. And it looks like they've stiffened the spine of the team. Donnarumma oh, yes. is go. Donnarumma is go. Ramos has come in there. Wijnaldum has come in mm. midfield. I mean, so it's like, you mentioned those three players, throw Messi in the mix. So they've Across stiffened the, line. the spine of the team. And you do feel that that's going to benefit them much more in the Champions League. Although I have my issues with the Donnarumma transfer because I feel that a lot of teams with the Donnarumma transfer. Because a lot of teams have been, well, the last two teams have been, it's been at, Kerenavas has been unfairly treated. Mm, Um, I think Mm. the goalie that gives his best and does very well whilst at Real and, you know, come to place and now he has Donnarumma to contend with. But then, it's also uh, an opportunity for PSG to have options. Anything can happen, we really don't know. Uh, with Ramos, I think Ramos is just an answer to the inconsistency of Kibembe. Uh, and I think he solves that problem. He gives them that leadership in defense, which I think they lacked last season. Who is the captain of the team, by the way? Marquinhos. Because <laughs> <laughs> there are too many captains. Oh, too many captains. <laughs> captains all across. Okay. PSG to win the league. Closest challengers. Still Lille? No. Marseille? Lyon? Um... With with Christophe Garcia at Nice, I'm probably going to be leaning towards Nice. Um, his manager has grown in leaps and bounds. He used mm. to call him the French Marine. I don't know if they still call him that. Um, he has a decent looking team at Nice as well. They strengthen the bit. Uh, Kaspar Dorberg is a striker that I think can get him 20 odd okay. goals. Uh, at the back, they're quite so. They have a young star who's coming through as well. So I think Nice might be their closest challenger. Then between Marseille and Lyon. Okay, oh let's see those that make the top And then Monaco. Monaco. Final question before we move away from France. How many goals would Messi score in the French League? Let's <laughs> wait <laughs> for his first game. <laughs> but I'm uh, sure if he, he can't score less than 20 goals. Okay. He can't score less than 20. Uh, okay, let's move to Germany where the league has started. But it does look like Julian Nagelsmann He's having some issues already. They didn't win any game in preseason. They started with a draw in their first game. So what do you make of that? I think the first problem for him is the fact that he hasn't had the full complement of his squad to work with. Mm, because of the Euros? Because of the Euros, Olympics, everything. Yeah, the, the other managers are probably telling you they have the same problem. But his is a bit different because, hey, up front, they only have Lewandowski. Okay, yeah, they have Chuba uh, Motin, but hey, you pick Lewandowski 9.9 mm. over 10 times ahead of Chupamotsu. So I think that's the major problem. Um, Opamakano for me hasn't also been a, a, a stellar Over, sign. Overrated? He's seemingly looking like he's a bit overrated because I looked at him in preseason and he was looked, you know, worrisome. I looked at him again, he says, much and I was like, ah, this guy doesn't look as comfortable as we'd expect him to be. Uh, they've lost the leadership of Alaba, whether you like it or not. Yeah. That leadership at the back is lacking. Um, but whether you like it or not, Bayern know how to navigate that league. But I it's a great opportunity for Dortmund. Though. Huge opportunity for because, Dortmund. Um, they, they won the first game and um, it looks like Erling Haaland might want to, well, not might, he, he naturally scores goals. Oh, just, so you, you you count on him to score a lot of you goals. You give Lewandowski so a good run this time. 
the best chance they will have oh, in the, the last chance. few years to topple. So, what, but who's your pick at the end of the season? I still think Bayern will win. Okay. Uh, I think Bayern have too much. Um, they okay. have the money. They can strengthen if they want. So Italy hasn't started, but let's quickly touch there. Syria hasn't started, but um, of course, Inter, the defending champions, all kinds of tro- problems after that. A coach is gone. Hakimi is gone. Uh, Lukaku is gone. Lukaku is gone. They are trying to bring in some other players and all of that. Financial situation, not exactly good. Is this going to topple them? I think Inter will, I, I strongly believe Inter will retain the Scudetto. Um, they're very vulnerable right now. The financial situation just makes it quite clear that everybody's looking at them and feeling that, you know, the vultures are circling and they think they can pick the players yeah, they have players, yeah. for the right amount. Who can, who can step in? Juventus with... Um, Juventus are also a bit confusing for me. Manager back. With yes, Allegri back. has the experience. Great chance for AC Milan? No, they because, are not exactly because I think the business I expected Milan to do, they've not done it. They've not done it. You know, there's 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 an expectation when you finish as high as they finished in second, as high as they finished in, in the league that they should be building on. Is there an opportunity there for Mourinho at Roma? There's an opportunity, but uh, we have to wait for, see what kind of team is put together for the first five games. If I can give Roma... Your, your darling team Atlanta, Atlanta for the Scudetto. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people are going to come for me for that, but I think that Atlanta look like... Yes, they've lost um, uh, Christian Romero. Mm, I think that was a huge... Defender, yeah. And they lost Golini in goal. If they keep Zapata and they don't lose Zapata, mm. people should take a clue. And they brought in Demiral to replace uh, okay. Romero, so I think they strengthened that. So Atlanta for the Scudetto. On the home straight now. Spain. Um, Atletico Madrid defending champions they've not really lost anybody uh, of course Real Madrid Barcelona have lost <laughs> can you say somebody <laughs> have lost their entire team Barcelona have lost somebody and all of that so you see it as open or do you do, okay let me put it this way Barcelona do they have a chance or they are going to be reeling from the loss of Messi for at least this one season I think Barca will do a lot better this year uh, from what I saw, forget about the defenses for Yes, we can't forget about it. It's something that they need to address. The the back four needs that coverage in front of that screen. But I think going forward, they will play without inhibition. Okay. They will play without the mindset that the ball has the to guy. Go to yes, I think because what I saw in the game against Sudan mm-hmm. at the weekend, I saw a lot of positive signs, but. I think Atletico Madrid are the favorites this season. Again, up front they look really good. They've brought in Rodrigo De Paul, who I think would also chip in a few goals. Real Madrid not really added much. It's more or less the same team. Same team, mm, apart from uh, apart from Sergio Ramos, which is, you've taken out ten goals out of the team <laughs> from a defender. So that's a huge disadvantage. Worry. So. Um, and of course, so, sorry, Varane left as well. And, so, so those are two top class two, defenders. Two defend, two first choice defenders, defenders left. left. So mm. military is susceptible to uh, a lot of errors. So your so, pick for there is Atletico Madrid. Okay, so let's go to the Premier League, where for me, I think about three or four, three or four teams uh, are in the mix. Yes, if you ask me, well, City have started with a stumble. City have lost three competitive games now. Champions League final, and this uh, Community Shield final, opening game of the season, 1-0, 1-0, 1-0 without scoring. 
we don't know whether they're going to get Hurricane, but you f- do feel that, okay, they spent $100 million on Jagrish. But I honestly felt that that money was a better spent on the striker. I don't know. Because they do create chances. But it's the striker that I think they need. I think City have been quite lazy with their transfer business uh, this summer. Lazy in the, in the sense that they were too predictable. They didn't, you know, they didn't give us those unexpected moves. Yeah. Like a Ferran Torres, you know, mm, last, season, last season. You know, yeah. you know, those moves that just come out of the heart and you're like, oh, okay. Or like Ruben Diaz, you know, stuff like that. They didn't do anything like that. So I think they, were, they became too predictable and that's where I worry for them. But then, with that squad, there are very few teams in the league that if match If they don't them. get a striker, would you? How would you rate their chances? Without I still re- a striker, I, because the amount of chances they create, I've seen them quite highly. I think they are still favourites to win, mm. but Chelsea, once Lukaku starts and hits the ground running, they finally solved a problem that which they is had last season. Because last, season, last season was seven Jorginho goals and it was Jorginho penalties, seven penalties. So, so the, and you're going to add a 20, 25 goal strike up front. I think Chelsea should be second favourites. Third favorite is definitely be Manchester United because they've added a creative element to their team, especially to create more chances, and then Liverpool. Why I'm saying Liverpool are fourth is because Liverpool's business in the transfer market has been very limited, even though we have about two weeks to the end. And of then the you know, Mane and Salah for Salah, the Nations Cup. Nebuketa potentially leaving for the for Nations like five Cup. weeks in January. That is a huge loss. I don't, I don't know how Semillo, Diego Jota, uh, Alex, Alex Chamberlain or uh, Origi will carry that burden in five weeks. I don't know how they're going to do it. So that's why I'm putting Liverpool uh, fourth. Leicester, outside chance of him breaking to the top four. They've been in that position for two seasons and then they uh, fell off on the last day. Um, the likes of Villa. Villa have done decent business yeah. in the market. Mm. But then, all those pieces of the puzzle have you are to not mentioning the team. Oh. You have not mentioned Ooh. one team. Spurs. No. Arsenal. <laughs> yes. <laughs> are you writing them up because they lost the first game of the season? I'm writing them up because I can't see anything positive in Arsenal. Yeah, some people say they looked like in that first game, it looked like the life had been sucked out of them. Um very light. Very lightweight. Mm. Nothing. To excite you. Nothing exciting. And it looks like there's something going on with the with Obama and, and the manager. So uh, it, it just it's a lot of doesn't just sit well with me looking at that Arsenal team. Mm. For Nuno at Spurs, it'll be interesting to know what is the expectation for him in his first season. If Hurricane goes. If Hurricane goes, they're already second some of them are preparing. If Hurricane stays. But Mart- Mart- Martinez is one yeah. of the options they are looking at and I'm sure if they throw the money at Inter, Inter will take it. Mm. So if Hurricane leaves, I'm sure they will find a way. They showed that somehow with the way they yeah. play against City. Mm. Uh, I'm sure they'll be, I think okay. they'll be fine. And As we round up, let's, let's go now to the Champions League. Don't let me restrict you to one. Your four picks for the semi-finals of the Champions League. As always, four teams are oh, always... Yeah, we're recording this, so we'll remind you <laughs> at the end of the season. Well, as always, four, four teams picks. are always in the hunt, more or less, at the beginning of the year to be the ones to to win. Uh, PSG, mm-hmm. if you have Messi in your ranks, you, you have, have one leg, yeah. one mm-hmm. advantage over um, 
everybody. City again. You can't write Man City off. Uh, I think Chelsea at the same time. I can't put Manchester United yet because I still think United need one or two mm. more bodies. And in Bayern, Italy, Bayern, I'm not sure because of Nego's mob, but I, I, I won't be writing off Dortmund as well to so have a good run. Atletico Madrid? Atletico Madrid in Spain. Critically, of course, Real too because <laughs> they have Ancelotti. He knows yeah. that competition. Yeah. He knows that. So for the four, PSG, Man City, Chelsea, Chelsea and ah, Atletico Madrid. Let me keep it in Madrid. <laughs> Madrid does win. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. That wraps up uh, episode one of season two of Sports 360 Podcast. want to thank you for joining us, but you're going to join us today. It was unavoidably absent. Sports 360 Pod. That's where you can join us on Instagram. Sports 360 Pod. And um, Buddy Ogutu will be back with us next week. Uh, I'm sure we'll have to do something about basketball and all the trades in the NBA. Yeah. And the funny Dennis Schroeder situation. <laughs> 84 million on your table. You say you didn't want. You ended up signing 5.9 million. Terrible. Okay. <laughs> we'll get that next week. Thank you for joining us this week. From across the world, it's been Sports 360 Podcast. Signing out. <laughs>